Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed, freely lend them whatever they need. This is what they're supposed to do. The king's supposed to be like this. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought, which is the seventh year, the year for canceling debts is near. So what they'd have is, on the seventh year, all the debts that people had in the nation would be canceled. It'd be pretty amazing to have that now, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. So what, they'd, what it's hinting at is on the sixth year before, that not to be stingy, not to be deliberately using the year that's coming to kind of do all these things that you shouldn't be doing. Okay, so it says... Uh, so that you do not show ill toward the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. They may then appeal to the Lord against you, this is the king, and you will be found guilty of sin. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed towards your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy. So this is like the, the vision that God gives, that people who are in charge of Israel should behave like this. And, and that would be a great place to live, wouldn't it? It'd be a really nice place to live if that's how the, the rulers were treating you. Okay, so let's jump into this, this uh, bit of the Bible. It is a little bit long, and we are going to read the whole chapter. So like I say, if you've got a Bible in, in maybe your first language, I'd encourage you to read along at this point. Uh, just so we can really get into it and understand it together. And I'm going to read it uh, from here. So 1 Kings chapter 17. Are we ready? Here we go. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, this is the king, the bad king, as the Lord the God of Israel lives whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, Turn eastward in the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food. So Elijah did what the Lord had told him. He went to this Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and he stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So Elijah went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get the water, he also said, Can you bring me a piece of bread, please? This is what the lady says, the widow. She says, as surely as the Lord God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home, make a meal for myself and my son so we can eat it and die. So it's quite extreme. So we're obviously in a serious place here with, with famine. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first... Make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. 
For this is what the word of the, the word, what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Sometime later, uh, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally he stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, why do you have, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come here to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replies. He took him from her arms, carried him to an upper room where he was staying and laid him on the bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times. He cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him. So he's been raised from the dead and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Okay, so thanks for reading along. There's quite a lot to go there. So we'll start right from the beginning. And what I'm going to do, we're going to go through some things and just pick out just some encouraging things for us this morning. Okay, so the first thing is in verse 1, Elijah goes to Ahab and he says, uh, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who I am served, he says to the king, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years. That's quite a thing to say to a king who is famous for being really bad. So he could have just killed him and said, who do you think you're talking to? But Elijah, full of the spirit of God, basically this is a, what we call a prophecy. So he's saying something that's not happened yet. And he's warning the king, isn't he? He's saying, uh, this is what's going to happen. Now, what was really interesting Ahab was worshipping a false idol called Baal, okay, or Baal, two A's in it, B-A-A-L. And there's lots of names for this false god, uh, but one of them is the Lord of Rain and Dew. So it's no coincidence that Elijah uses the same phrase. He said, there will neither be dew nor rain in the first few years. So Elijah's reminding him, you think that your false god Baal is the one who controls the rain and the dew in the morning. But what I'm telling you is it's the Lord God of Israel who decides whether it rains or not. So it's a very deliberate phrase there. So we're speaking right into uh, what's going on. So this is our first little hint of Elijah standing up to injustice. He's standing up to something that's wrong. Okay, so he's making it perfectly clear that it's God who controls uh, the rain. And I think one of the simple things for us is, is that we're to do the same, even though it's really difficult to, to have a voice and to stand up for what is right, even when it is really difficult. And then next we see verse 2 to verse 6 that uh, Elijah hears the word of the Lord and he gets led to uh, go to this place in this ravine. And the Lord says, you'll be fed by ravens, uh, bread and meat. So I don't know whether, I'm not quite sure what I would say if someone said to me, go to this place and some birds are going to feed you some food. It's a little bit out there. But what amazes me is that um, Elijah doesn't even question that. He just kind of says, okay, fine. So he goes to this place, and suddenly birds are bringing him uh, food. Uh, and we just see the, the faith, the trust that Elijah has in God. And this is probably because of lots of things that he's already said yes to with God. Does that make sense? So this is a bizarre situation, and one that I guess if it was us, you'd probably worry, uh, okay, we'll go into this place, but how do I get my food? What, what about everything else? Uh, and he's just obedient. He just goes 
And he says, okay, if God says a bird's going to arrive in my food and a bird's going to wait on me, that's fine. Let's just, let's just do it. So he's showing this kind of immense amount of trust and faith, really, in, in God. Um, and so I move down to verse 7 to 12. So this is this section where he meets the widow. Um, so he goes to Zeropath and, he's, and he meets this widow. And we find the situation here where the widow is basically at the end of herself. We see that. It's quite desperate. It's a desperate thing if you're saying, we're going to eat one more time and then we're out of here. So I, I guess they've got no food left because that's it. Um, so Elijah kind of just pops up and cheekily, he's saying, oh, I know, I know you've got no food left, but I, I'd like some of that. Could you imagine what that's like to be so desperate that you know this is the only meal and you just want a little bit of enjoyment, we're going to eat this meal, and then that's, he's saying that's probably it, that's all we've got. And then Elijah kind of walks in and says, that's great, but could you make me some food? So I don't know what kind of emotions and, and how you feel about that. I think, I'm not sure how I would feel, that's quite a challenge. A part of me would want to say, no, it's my food, <laughs> we haven't got any. So it's this kind of weird thing where the man of God, Elijah, is is saying, saying this to the lady, and obviously the ladies, I mean, if I was her, I'd probably be panicking, to be honest. But what's interesting is Elijah can see firsthand the suffering that's going on. Okay, he's not detached somewhere else. He's not on a mountaintop. He's right there with this widow. Um, and he can see the suffering that's going on in Israel. So he's, he's close to the action, if you like. So first of all, for us, there's a real challenge that in life, are we, do we allow ourselves to be close to people who are poor, are struggling, um, whether that's financially poor and struggling or whether that's spiritually or mental health at the moment. This is a huge, there's huge things going on in our world. So one challenge I want to give this morning is, and I was reading this, it challenged me because I thought, do I allow myself to be around uh, people going through things? Uh, I think the answer is yes and no. And maybe you're similar to me sometimes, sometimes not. So I just wanted to give that challenge this morning that, um, Elijah can't really get away from the situation because he's, he's right there in front of this widow. Okay, and just for us, when we're doing life in Warrington, let's just allow ourselves to be close to the people who are poor and needy and, and desperate for help. Is that okay? I just want to give you that challenge that it's easy to, to just be detached from everything going on, but our Christianity, our, our life with Jesus requires us to be close to the actions. Does that make sense? And it's not about having all the answers or... Yeah, kind of being like Elijah, this great man who just says stuff and it seems to happen. Sometimes that's, that's, it's just about us being there with people, loving people, being willing to walk alongside people. Um, and we try and do this at the grocery here next door That as we do a shop. And um, this is just an example. There's loads of stuff in Life Church that they do this really well. But um, yeah, we just try and give people a great shopping experience, but we're there for people as well. So can you take that challenge this morning? Is that all right? Can I challenge you just to be asking, you know, as I'm speaking, be thinking, yeah, do you know what? Actually, I think I need to get alongside so-and-so. So just maybe pick someone in your mind um, as, as I'm speaking. You just think, yeah, actually, I think I need to sit, check up on them and see how they are and allow God to draw you into an uncomfortable situation. It might be difficult, but this is what God asks of us. He asks of us to be close to, to people who, who are in need. So that's the first thing. Uh, we find here that the widow is totally desperate. Uh, and then Elijah says this. He says, Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Okay. So she's obviously terrified. I would be. Uh, and he says, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me, for what you have, and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. 
So what he's asking is, can you make something for me first? Could you do that for me? Um, even though she doesn't have a lot. So it's a massive challenge to this lady. She probably could have said, no, <laughs> I haven't got enough. But there's something going on here where Elijah is speaking on behalf of God. And she has a choice now. She either trusts God and trusts this man in front of her. Say, you know what, I'm not sure what's going on here. But I'm going to trust that, that God's going to look after me. That this, this man is representing God to me. Something's going to happen here. So there's faith involved. And sometimes this is what we have to be like when we are desperate and when we don't know. We have to trust, we have to trust in God that he, he has the best for us. And then this amazing thing happens, okay? There's a miracle. It's a pretty crazy miracle. So this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So she's gone from nothing so basically, from what I can understand is that every time she pours out of this jug, there's going to be some stuff that comes out. And then she pours it again. And it's going to be on, on basically like an unlimited buffet in two, two jars. So she's gone from having nothing to suddenly God's just providing for her through these jugs. Does that make sense? So she's, she's made this decision to put God first, okay, and to trust Elijah, who's representing God to her. And then because of that, the Lord's providing for her, okay? And it reminded me of, in the New Testament, in Matthew 6, 33, uh, and this is for us today. This, in, and I realize what I'm saying, this is a, this is a real challenge, okay? Um, and there's no way that I have seen injustice and problems in a country that I know some of you in this room have seen. So please don't, this isn't me lecturing or saying, oh, I know about this. I do not know, okay? But I do know that the word of the, God, the, word of the Lord it's the same for all of us. The Bible says it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what I'm going to read, yes, it's a challenge, but it is, it is for us to take. So Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first his kingdom, it's the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So what it's saying is put God first, and he'll provide what you need so that's the, that's the principle this morning. Put God first in your life, and, and he will provide what you need. And I have to say, not, I have, I've experienced this in, in my life again and again. Um, from when I was 18 to 22, I went on a gap year, and I had no wage. There was no wage coming in. I raised some money. And uh, this is a very small thing, uh, but I've seen it on a bigger scale as well. Um, I remember one night looking at my bank account. I was quite hungry thinking, uh-oh, there's, not, there's nothing in there. I really felt like God said, go to the chip shop. I was thinking, I'm not going to the chip shop. I've got no money. Uh, that's a bit weird. So anyway, it wouldn't go away. I really felt like I should go to this chip shop. It's like, okay, it's going to be embarrassing. Uh, I don't really know how to do this. And I wanted to be honest. And I was like, I don't want to kind of order something knowing I've got no money. There's this whole thing going on in my mind thinking, is this me making this up? Is this God telling me? I don't know. So I eventually went off to this chip shop. I stood there thinking, okay, God, you know, I, you brought me here. What do you want me to do? Like, uh, I don't really know what to do. And then I felt God say, just order what I wanted. I was thinking, I have no money. And, I, you know, when you're panicking and I was thinking, uh, I've got no money. I don't really know. This is going to be really awkward. I'll have to give it back. But I just did it. I just, I know it's really strange talking about fish and chips. I know it's tiny compared to some of these big issues we're reading. But God's personal. He's really personal. He wants to be involved in your life. And for me, this is, this is an example. So I ordered this food. It comes over, and I'm thinking, what do I do? Do I pretend to look for my wallet? And, and someone just walks in and just paid for my food, and it just wanders out again. 
and just picked this food up and was like, what on earth is this about? And I, I, it was that quick, I couldn't even get the guy to say, oh, thank, thank you very much. He was just gone. I was a bit like, okay, my head's spinning a bit. Anyway, so I took it back home, enjoyed my meal. Um, I'll give you, I want to give you a couple more examples, and this isn't about being all ooh, supernatural. It's a principle of when we, when we put God's kingdom first, truly in our hearts, we, put, we want to serve God first, he will provide what, what we need. Uh, another time I was working in Liverpool, at a church, uh, St. Bartholomew's and Roby, if anyone knows it, C of E Church. Oh, we've got one hand. Uh, and... Uh, I was, I was serving there as a youth worker, and uh, uh, there was a mission to Hungary. There was a church mission back home here in Warrington, and they said, uh, we'd like to, someone said to me, we'd like to go on this mission, and my heart really went out to this particular, I thought, I really want to do that. I really think I should, be, I should go on this mission. I had no money. <laughs> I was like, okay, so do I raise this? And I was praying about it, and I just really felt for me that God said, don't tell anyone. So I was thinking, well, if I don't tell anyone, how am I going to get money? Like, how does that work? I've got to ask someone or et cetera, et cetera. Put it in my hands. But I just felt like God said, don't tell anyone. Just, just pray about it and just leave it there. I was like, okay, fair enough. So I was praying about it. Nothing was really happening. I was getting a bit discouraged. I was like, well, I don't, I'm just going to miss on this trip. They're going to book flights and everything that's needed, and I won't go on this trip. Anyway, uh, I was sat in that church, and I was just in the service. I'd put my hands up. I was worshiping. sat down and listened to the preach. And when I stood up, there was an envelope under my uh, chair, and I opened it up, and there was £149 in there. I thought, this is bizarre. I hadn't told a soul. I was like, who has God spoke to to, to do that? How does that work? You know, you, you, I don't know. Uh, and I paid the money, and I went on this mission, and it ended up being 149 quid. And I'm not saying this out of some sort of like, ooh, it, it, you know, there's not kind of a great feet of faith it's just my experience is that God does provide what you need if you put him first it doesn't mean that we don't go through troubles but he, he just he just does provide so I just want to encourage you that I don't want to linger on that point too much more but the challenge for us is let's put God first this morning okay let's just choose to trust him so I want to ask a question this morning okay right now where you're at do you find that you can relate more to Elijah or the widow? You don't have to answer out. I'm not, don't shout out. Don't put your hand up. But you were listening to that, those two situations, you might find yourself either thinking, you know what, I feel a bit like Elijah, who's got, um, he had experience with God's provision before. Uh, he's stepping out in faith with this uh, widow, and he's performed a miracle. So you might feel like that this morning, and that's okay. That's, that's, that's where you're at. Uh, and Elijah was simply in the right place at the right time. So you might be sat here this morning saying, God, I, I've got experience with you. I've, I've walked with you a while. Um, I'd like to be in the right place at the right time. Or you might feel like the widow, okay, who um, is trying to trust God by obeying Elijah. And she gave out the little that she had. Okay, and I, I just want to uh, read from the New Testament again uh, of another widow in the New Testament. So this is Mark 12, verse 41. You still with me? It's very hot in here, isn't it? Or is it just me? Okay. Uh, <coughs> okay, so uh, verse 41. This is another widow in the New Testament. Okay, uh, and this is very famous. Because it's called the widow's mite. So you may have heard this story before. But it's really, really poignant what she does. So Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd put in their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts of money but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, 
So he brought them in. He said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put everything in, all she had to live on. That is some serious faith. Yeah? And I just wondered this morning, I thought, I'm going to paint the picture. You might feel like Elijah, but you might feel like the widow. You might feel this morning like you really don't have anything that you're in poverty. Uh, you know, maybe literally, I don't know. Uh, but she put everything she had for Jesus. You know, she, she did that. And what's really interesting is, we don't, don't get the name of this lady, but we still quote this a couple of thousand years on. It was such an act of faith. And she, this is remembered, and we, we talk about it a lot. Um, and there's just a real challenge there. Whichever place you find yourself in, maybe you feel a bit like Elijah or the widow, uh, we, we need to trust the Lord and give from what we've got, got. It might be a lot. It might be a little. I don't know. But just to encourage you to do that. And just a little, a little tangent, um, just a kind of little side point uh, about worship. Um, you know, we, sometimes it's, it's confusing. What is worship? And I just wanted to read something. And uh, we named one of our boys Micah, uh, which is a book in the Bible. I'm going to read from Micah. This is a verse that was really important to us. Uh, as a family, when we were naming the kids. And uh, I just want to read Micah 6, verse 8. Uh, and the, the, before this bit, the question is, with what shall I come before the Lord? It's a good question, isn't it? When we come on Sunday mornings or when we're coming before God, what, what shall I come before the Lord with? And uh, it's great to sing, as Paul mentioned. There's power in it. It's great to have these times together. And here's another perspective. He says, I have shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So if you really want to be an, a worshipper of Jesus, we've got to actually have faith and action together. Okay, we've got to have those things together. We can sing the songs and we can enjoy our time together in church, but we have to then have what in the rest of the week, how we're acting with people, how we're being with people. Are we, are we acting justly? Are we acting in a right way? Do we love being merciful to people and being kind? And are we walking humbly with your God? So just to encourage you, um, you may feel like, um, I don't know, like I'm not the greatest singer. <laughs> and when I come to services, maybe it, there's a struggle there, like with the songs. Can I just, just want to encourage you this morning that real true worship to God is everything. It's, the whole, it's our whole life, okay? God sees all of it, okay? When we're, we're not here and nobody's asking, he sees the little things at home. And there's a challenge there. But just to encourage this morning that you, 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 I don't know your personal life, but you could be really worshipping God. You could really be worshipping God by serving people, loving people. And just to encourage that, I believe that many people are. At the grocery, I see you guys serving. And you're, you're worshipping God. You're bringing glory to God. And it's a beautiful thing. So I just wanted to encourage you to just keep going uh, with that. Just a couple more points because of time. And then we'll, we'll wrap this up. So, just going back to Kings. 1 Kings, which I've managed to lose in my Bible. Give me a sec. Uh, yep, so. Uh, yep, so looking at this last section, verse 17 to 24. So we have this now, this quite extreme thing where this lady's son has died. Okay, so uh, she's, she's stepped out in faith. She's really helped Elijah. Um, and now she's, she's questioning it. She's saying, what's happened here? When my son's died, did you come all this way to just kind of let this happen or whatever? 
And so Elijah takes up the boy, and basically, this crazy miracle happens. So the boy's dead, and Elijah prays three times, cries out to God, and he comes back to life. Just let that sink in for a minute. So this boy's dead. Elijah moves in this incredible act of faith, right? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I've never raised anyone from the dead, I'll be honest with you. (laughs) If anyone is in the room, then then, uh, yeah, I'll have have to ask you what that's like. But this is just this amazing kind of act of um, faith. And so, yeah, Elijah moves in faith and he cries out to the Lord. When I was reading it, I thought, why did he do it three times? This is just a little point. I thought, why, why couldn't he have just done it once? It says here, then he cried out to the Lord. Then he stretched himself out with the boy three times and cried out to the Lord. Why didn't he just do it once and it happened? I was thinking, what's significant about that? And I was praying into it. I think it shows us to persist in our prayer. I think it shows us to keep going in prayer and believing. Um, Acts 12, 5 says, so Peter was kept in prison, but fervent prayer, i.e. prayer that kept going, it says here, was made persistently to God by the church. Um, So there's a thing here of just to encourage you guys to keep praying, uh, to keep believing in the Lord, uh, to keep believing for for, um, breakthrough. Um, and just, just to have that, that heart that says, God, I'm going to consistently, I'm going to go after you all the time. I want to be before you. I want to be in your, your presence, you know. Um, so there's something there about persistence. Uh, I, I want to share a little testimony, and I've got one more point, and then uh, I'll wrap us up. It won't take too long. But um, we experienced this, Jen, my wife, and I, uh, and... Uh, I uh, will try and get through this without getting emotional because it always seems to hit me. <laughs> Sorry about this to the mother-in-law at the back. He might get emotional too. But when, when, um, we, when Jen gave birth to our twin boys, we went through the, the most horrendous week. Uh, Jen almost died is, is the reality. There was a week where she gave birth to our boys and then just everything seemed to go wrong uh, with their body. Uh, <clears throat> they thought it was sepsis. Uh, they thought it was kidney failure. It was just a mess wasn't it? <laughs> Sorry about this, Carol. It was just an absolute mess, and I've never been in a whirlwind like it. I was like, what is going on? Uh, and you're just kind of praying and hoping that, that, that Jen would pull through. It was really serious. She, she ended up at a HDU, high dependency unit, and then an ICU, which is the intensive care unit. And all this is going on, and I remember just feeling, it was just out, otherworldly. I just I didn't know where I was, what was going on, and I was just trying to kind of hold through. But what I want to say is there were people praying for us, and it's incredible, okay? I sent out a text, I remember this, and I've still got the text, to five people, just five people that I trusted, saying, will you please pray? I don't know what's going on here. We really, really need some, some prayer. Can you just get around us? And then in the space of a week, the life, it wasn't just Life Church, it was the churches in Warrington, the church, there was some churches across the world. Uh, it was just unbelievable that, that people just, Christians just jumped on, and started praying for our little family in Warrington. It's just so humbling. Incredible. But people persistently prayed. Uh, and then there was, we had a breakthrough. I think it was a Thursday night. I can't remember. And it was, it was grim. It was hard work, wasn't it, Carol? It was really hard. And then we thought, I genuinely thought, I'm going to come back to this ICU. And I don't know whether, I don't know whether Jen's going to be here or not. It was that serious. And we came back in. And she sat up. And I was like, okay, this is unusual. And they said, oh, there's been a turnaround. I said, oh, oh brilliant, brilliant. 
And what's happened? They were like, well, we don't know. And there was about five, six specialists with clipboards. It's like something off House, if you ever watched that series. Very strange. And I'm like, what is going on? What has happened from last night when we left to this morning? And they just said, we don't know. I said, okay. And then you can, you can ask Jen for herself. She had kind of a bit of an experience with God that night. Um, and we, we met specialists afterwards. We had debriefing with um, people quite high up in the hospital. This is months later to just go over what has gone on. They never gave her any treatment, and they just said, we don't know, it's one of those kind of anomalies or whatever. It was great. I got to just say, well, we believe that God saved Jen's life. We believe that people prayed, and uh, God saved her life. I think they weren't sure what to say about that. They were like, okay. Uh, but uh, that's the truth, and that's our reality. We, we walk that, and no one can ever tell me any, any different because there was just no way through. Um, and I know that seems like a big thing to say. I know that, that opens up loads of questions. But all I can say is that persistent prayer worked. People praying on behalf of us worked. And it's such a biblical thing to do, guys. We can pray for each other, okay? When we're going through stuff in this room, we can pray for each other, yeah? I don't know whether that just seems like a really small thing, but we can actually be there for each other and persistently pray about some of the things that we're going through and believe for, for breakthrough. Um, I don't know why things happen the other way, why prayers aren't answered. I don't understand that. All I want to say this morning is that, that when we persistently pray, that there is, there is breakthrough that happens. Um, and then just finally, the final point I wanted to say is that all of this that's going on is setting up Elijah, okay? So in chapter 18, uh, there's this crazy story that everybody probably knows where Elijah takes on the prophets of Baal. Okay, so, you know, the, the altars, you have the two altars. Do we know this story where, uh, and, and the prophets of Baal, uh, there's 450 of them crying out to their false god, saying, come on, put the fire on the altar. And then they start doing really crazy stuff to their bodies. And it's just an absolute mess. And nothing happens. And then Elijah even mocks and he says, oh, is your god asleep? Or is he having a rest? Does he need a bit of, uh, bit of time to kind of relax? And then uh, Elijah, just this one prophet who stands up, uh, for God, calls on the fire of God, and then bang, the fire comes from heaven, and this altar is licked up. And basically, um, yeah, the people's hearts are turned to God. Uh, what's really interesting, though, is this is before that, and it says in the beginning of chapter 3, this was three years later. My question is, would have all that happened with the prophets of Baal if Elijah had not been faithful with this story, with this little widow? Does that make sense? Because there's a lot of things that are similar. He was led to go somewhere and he's provided for and he had to either obey God or not. Then there's this, this boy who was raised from the dead uh, and there's a miracle performed. And that is a good question. When we're going through tough stuff in our life, is God preparing us? Sometimes we've got to look at it that way. When we're looking at circumstances in our lives and saying, I don't understand why I'm going through this trial or I don't understand why things are difficult. Perhaps it's because God is preparing you He's teaching you, he's growing you, he wants to grow you, we'll let him into our lives for other things. Does that make sense? There's nothing ever wasted in the kingdom of God. I can look back at stuff in my own life that I think I don't, at the time, I was all over the place thinking, I don't understand what's going on, God. I, I trust you, but I just don't know why this is happening. And then later, I realized that there's plans and purposes of God, and he was developing my character who's making me more like Jesus so that I can handle things later. Does that make sense? So I want to encourage you this morning. You might be going through some things and you might be asking that question, why? Why me? And it's, it's funny, isn't it, hindsight? Elijah could never have known what was going to happen with the prophets of Baal. 
He couldn't have known that this crazy act on a mountain, everybody watching, but when nobody was watching, it was just him and a widow and a little boy, he was still faithful to God. Does that make sense? I just want to encourage us this morning, be faithful to God when no one else is looking, yeah? When no one else sees, when you've got that choice to say something in a way you shouldn't or act the way you shouldn't and not be like God, just encourage you, just, just take a moment to be like, yeah, God, just really help me with that. Let me, let me be the way you want me to be because I do believe that God uh, sets us up for things in our lives and it may well be that some of the things you're going through, uh, they're all opportunities to you know, glorify God and then for God to use them in, in the future. I'm pretty much out of time, so I just want to leave it there. So hopefully that's been encouraging. I'm going to read uh, just one uh, little bit here. Luke 6.10 says, If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. If you are dishonest in little things, you will, you will not be honest with greater responsibility. Or as Peter Parker says at Spider-Man, with great, uh, great power comes great responsibility. Uh, but yes, so I know that's a bit kind of all over the place this morning, but I just hope you can take some, some things uh, from it. Uh, and I'm going to leave it there. So thank you, Paul. Thanks, guys, for listening. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.